A group of creative artists in Denmark connected with each other in 2021 to wrestle in a fundamental way with their experience and the experience of their society, as diverse as it is, with the COVID-19 pandemic. And here are some of their thoughts. The pandemic is bewildering, not only to our everyday life, but also to our capacity and manner of imagining. Our bodies have been settled and restrained, and we are brought into inhabiting new daily routines, patterns of encountering, greeting, feeling, and connecting, disconnecting. The pandemic state has disciplined us and opened new priorities, capacities, choreographies, and limits. In other ways, it has left us in extreme disorientation and within a new wild disorder of our lives. Our life before the pandemic is now an echo or an aftershock, an internal image with frayed edges. We can listen to the news and the promises of returning to normal, but we cannot stay with such an image. Furthermore, what normal is the news referring to anyway, and for whom? We know that we need to rethink the pandemic and its potentials rather than rethinking the normal to break through it. Hence, we need to develop other tools and collective ways of shaping and living out our desires and inhabiting our despair. Live to live in the ruins of former worlds, previous times, visions, and dreams of the pre-pandemic, which we now have to dismantle to enter our current conditions. Is something else emerging? Words from a creative essay titled Bewilderment, Hope, and Despair by Lasse Mortsen and Friends, artists coming to terms with the pandemic and its effects, trying to discover how their creative work has been impacted and what questions are surfacing there. It goes without saying that creative artists over the centuries have reflected consciously or subconsciously on the tenor of their times, and in 2023, we're seeing such mirroring on stage, screen, and page. What originated as the continuation of a tradition of one-act play presentations at the Little Theatre of Wilkes-Barre has turned out this summer, they would say, by chance, to have brought five plays together, different as they are, which reflect something of the COVID pandemic experience in the world around us. The playwrights whose work has been selected are Monty Price Ford, K.K. Gordon, William Jeffrey, David Parmalee, and Art Walsh. And the shows will run this weekend, August 11th through the 13th, at the Little Theatre. We had a visit from Monty Price Ford, William Jeffrey, and David Parmalee. And David Parmalee, both a playwright and Little Theatre general manager, began with some history. I learned so much during our 100th season, putting together archives, materials, photos, we have a program dating to 1929, and the theater was six years old at that time. And, of course, whenever you talk to Walter Mitchell, Jr., whose grandmother was one of the founders, whose father was there when we acquired our theater in 1955 and spearheaded that, you always learn something about the, the history of the place, and it is long and storied. But what we're doing here really is not that different with our one acts coming up from how Little Theater began. 
The little theater movement was a nationwide thing. It was in, in the early aughts and teens. We came a little bit late to the party. But people became, eh, let's just say they were losing their patience with the quality of touring theater and theatrical productions. They were designed to put people in the seats and take a few dollars. Vaudeville, cheesy stuff, melodramas. It wasn't good theater. It was just designed to sell tickets. And there was a whole movement where people said, well, why don't we do it ourselves? We could produce better things ourselves, and we can pay attention to some of the emerging playwrights that are creating good material. One of them who got his start in the little theater movement in small theaters was Eugene O'Neill, kind of a darling of that movement because, of course, he went on to be one of the absolute greats in American theater. Well, we started with a a six-and-a-half-minute production called The Elephant's Child, where people gathered in living rooms and drawing rooms and parlors and, and read plays aloud. And within a few years, they were actually staging them and taking them to local schools and places. It was a, a vagabond company. But got pretty big after World War II. They were in the Irem Temple doing things like Carousel in 1954, and all of society was coming to see it. So to do original works, locally written original works, with playwrights from the area, five of them, with local cast, local directors, local technical staff, is, is really getting back to those roots where it was a smaller type of a production, not glamorous, but a way for people to find out what's happening in our area. What are people creating? And come and see it in what becomes a very intimate setting on our stage. It's big theater, but it's going to feel very intimate. So we are looking forward to this. How have you been approaching the solicitation of plays? Well, for many years, we admired what our colleagues in the NEPTA, Northeast Pennsylvania Theatrical Association Theaters, were doing with original works. Gaslight Theater Company always specialized in original work, and they had a thing called the Playroom Series, where each year it would be plays written about a different room in the house. And I helped direct Garage. It was quite thrilling. One of the plays in Garage. It was wonderful. Uh, in Scranton, Diva Theater at the Old Brick, Page and Bob Belitsky are specializing in, in locally written material. We have a wonderful building, which is our greatest asset and our greatest liability. It's expensive to maintain, and we have to be able to fill it with popular shows that people will come and see and make a few bucks to keep things going, keep the heat and the lights on. So it was harder for us to do smaller productions, which are, of course, going to attract a smaller audience. But we committed three years ago to doing it. We said we would like to offer that to our audiences and our actors and our writers as well. And let we now have air conditioning. Thank the Lord. So we found that summer slot. We first produced one act in 2019, a couple of years off for COVID and the 100th season where it really didn't fit in. And finally, we're back. And we're so happy to be able to participate in that type of production. It's new for us. How many submissions did you receive? We got uh, 14 scripts from a number of different authors. Some submitted more than one. Uh, and Walter Mitchell did a very creative thing. He's, he is a certified judge or adjudicator for theatrical competitions, and he knows everybody else who is in Pennsylvania. You have to actually get you know, stamped. You're a judge. So he didn't even read the plays when he got them. He sent them all out to the adjudicators. And, of course, they had never heard of any of us. We don't know them. They went all over the state, and they said, here are the ones we think are best. And he chose one to represent each of five playwrights so we would have the maximum exposure of new writing talent in the area. 
And when they were selected and he called the authors, he still hadn't read the play. <laughs> and once everyone agreed and accepted, then he sat down and read them. So it, it was a bit of a, a random process. We depended on the theatrical gods to send us a good selection. And interestingly, there are many central themes to them. They have a lot in common, complete serendipity, but they do. They all kind of go together. How did that make you feel, Monty, when you were selected, when you hear about that process? Absolutely wonderful. David knows how happy I am, but I can't even describe it because I originally wrote this 20 years ago and I presented it for a little theater that we were, and he's like, we can't do little productions like this. It doesn't bring us money. So I've sat on it for 20 years and now I tweaked it, redid it and recopy wrote it so that it's more, more present. This is my first time and I wanted to direct it. So I wanted to submit the one that would be the easiest for me, you know, to do. So I submitted one that had the least amount of set, the least amount of on and off and everything so that my first time getting my toes in the water would be easier for me and I would make that transition, you know, smoothly. How about you, Bill? Oh, at the time I was absolutely thrilled when I was selected. Uh, but now hearing all of that, I, I didn't realize how awesome I am. And uh, I'm thrilled to have reached the top. And you talked about this being your first theatrical piece, but you're a film writer. Yes, that's right. I've been working like the last 15 years doing short films, some independent features. But uh, I had written a version of this play when I was in college, and I was actually looking for it recently, and I lost it. And so I thought, well, hopefully I'm better than I was, which clearly I am, because I just made it to this competition. So I rewrote it. And by mere chance, like this was not even knowing there was a competition that coming up. You are another hat that you're wearing. And in addition to providing a history, one of your plays is included in this as well. Yes. And I am so just delighted by that. And I can't wait to see what people have to say. Uh, writing is done in solitude and in silence. Unless you're part of a team, it, it's all up in your head. Not only do you not really know what you've written, but you certainly don't know what it's going to sound like because talented women and men have to bring it to life. And then the audience has to decide how they feel. So this is a bit of a terrifying moment for a playwright. Monty, tell us what led you to explore this story years ago. I, I originally got into theater, so I was actually a quiet person and I was very introverted. In high school, somebody suggested drama and I got into theater and then I got into community theater. And then so much happened in my life, single mom, then married, then divorced, and single mama too. And a lot of that comes out in this. And at dealing with some of the things that I dealt with as a single mom, it just all came out in there. Today's version, the edition that we will see, is just updated in terms of what? I changed some names in there. So the, the two female parts in there are named after my two dogs that have passed away. <laughs> they meant so much to me. The male part in there is actually named after somebody that I dated for a short period of time who taught me how to respect myself and how to grow and, and be the person that I am today. So I felt that he deserved that, you know, little hoorah to him. So I changed some names in there. And after hearing it, on stage, some lines have come out and stuff, too, after you know, that part of it. Were you touched by what you did? Surprised? What were some of your reactions? Every time I read it, I still cry, bring tissues. But 
there's one actress, my lead actress in it. She is absolutely amazing. And the other actress, when they get together at the end of the thing, you're going to cry. But my lead actress, she just puts so much into it. I'm so blessed. I got a wonderful cast who is really, when on the very first day, I encouraged them to bring themselves into it. Like, if you feel something doesn't feel right, it needs to be changed or whatever, tell me. It's okay. I'm not perfect. Let's let's work on this together because I, I wanted this not to be just mine, but ours. So we all did it together. And what you're going to see is a culmination of all of us coming together and putting ourselves into it. What's the title? With Love, Your Guardian Angel. No spoilers. And how about you, Bill? It's an interesting thing you're talking about themes that are similar, but also the idea of having written something so long ago and bringing it back to life all these years later. Yeah, at the time when I was in college, I had lost my grandfather. He was my best friend. And this was um, a catharsis for that, to write something about that. And uh, unfortunately, recently I'd lost my mother. So that's why I was looking for that play again. And when I couldn't find it, I was like, well, I have a new perspective, a different one. And so I thought I'd write it again. I knew some of the points that I remembered basically what it was, but I, like I said, I hope I had gotten better. And uh, seeing actors bring it to life on the same page of if they think something isn't working or a line doesn't write, keep it to themselves because I run this competition. <laughs> I'm the writer. <laughs> You're a funny guy. Oh, but you. are there moments of humor in each of these plays? A little, maybe. Uh, yes, mine is. I, I tend to look through tragedy and sadness through a prism of humor. I think that that's just the way I deal with things. So I try to uh, bring that to an audience to make it easier to accept. David, your show is... Well, I was fortunate enough to have three plays I wrote, three one acts, which were linked, produced in the very first weekend of one acts, 2019. And then came COVID. And I kind of like to write a few of something that are related. It, it works for me. Once I have a premise, it works well. And I wrote three plays called Come Back Soon, three plays about going out of business. Because, of course, during COVID, things were ending or, or the future of things was not clear. And one about a, a local factory that closes, one about a small restaurant that is facing perhaps closing unless drastic things are done. And this one, which was inspired by an ad on uh, Chincoteague Island, where we vacation every year, about a home for sale that had been in the same family for 90 years. And the woman who had just passed away was born there, and she passed away at the age of 90. And of course, it's an auction ad. So it says, for sale, home and contents. And then it lists her humble possessions, but nonetheless possessions that sketched the history of a life. And I put a whole story behind that. And that was the third play in Things Ending or Going Out of Business. And I made it into an inn. And one thing we found, the plays all, I think, have a touch of humor, and several have quite a lot. I mean, your, your play, Bill, is, is, has a, a lovely oh, thank you. Uh, sort of dark humor to it. But I'm seeing in all of them, I believe, tales of things coming to an end or beginning, themes about uh, how short life is and about enjoying it and about the connections we make here on Earth and how important they are, especially when we're left behind or when we lose someone. And I, I was surprised. There, there was absolutely no way for the authors, Little Theater, or the judges who read them to have collaborated or have known that they would somehow be linked. But they are. They're, they're very different. 
different tone, different characters. One is set in the Old West. I mean, they, they couldn't be more different. But they, they have themes in them that I think all of us maybe were feeling right now coming out of those years, which were very difficult psychically on us. I think more difficult than we know. Even if we didn't get ill or didn't lose anyone to the illness, still, it was a, it was a hard time. It was not something that we could take lightly. It was not something that we could say everything's fine. It was not fine in any way. You and I couldn't meet for two years just to pick one thing. So I, I think some of that possibly is, is coming out in what people are, are writing. And I hope when people go to see them and, and uh, experience those themes, perhaps we can all relate to that a little more than we would have in 2019. K.K. Gordon is a playwright who has been seated at this table a number of times, and he is an award winner for his work, and his work is often dark. What is he bringing to us? Uh, You could call it dark in that it's not about a normal event. It's about a dark event. But he has a deft, satiric ability as a writer, and it's funny. (laughs) But you have you have to be the sort of person who perhaps would appreciate Monty Python or uh, certain SNL sketches to say that's funny because on the surface of it it ain't funny, but in production it will very much be. Now, Art Walsh is another author. Uh, Art and KK founded the Old Brick Theater in Scranton, and we actually have two counties represented in the festival, which is great. We love it. What is Art doing on his Oh, Art has written the play that is not set in the present day. Uh, I think when you're writing one-act plays, it's very tempting to just make them contemporary. This is happening now. We don't have to do a lot of exposition or setup or who the characters are, trying to understand where they come from. But Art's goes back to the Old West, and it's an Old West that we're not necessarily familiar with. We look at it and we say, is that how it really was? I don't know. And and again, there's a humorous take on it. There's definitely some satire incorporated into it, and it's going to be a fun piece to watch. When you heard David lay out the idea of the overall sense we might each have in one way or the other about COVID and the pandemic, even though you had these ideas years before the pandemic, do you see how there might be some resonance with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, COVID wasn't just a terrible virus that people got sick from. It was a psychological experience for everyone to get locked in, not be able to go anywhere, not to see the people you care about. And God forbid you had someone in the hospital, you couldn't go visit them. So I think when the dust cleared to, I mean, art always expresses what's going on in the world. and, And I think people are always hungry to absorb that to help them process through what they're going through. And so I think a theater production where it's not a surprise that all the plays share the same themes after such an event. And uh, I think that's what's going to be very welcoming to the general public who come to see it. How about you, Marty? Even though that wasn't probably your aim at all, is there a resonance for you? You could say that. I mean, it, it does deal with complicated relationships, which got even more complicated during COVID. So, David, five different plays, five different sets. How are you going to handle the set differences? Because we have such a nice big stage, we have 18 feet of depth before you even get back to where we would normally build a set. So the sets are coming on and off. Uh, we're keeping them to a minimum. They're not the stars of the show. The, the writing and the acting is. And it did all with lighting and sound. 
we're, we're not creating a lot of complex effects. It's, it's more of a workshop environment where you get to see the pieces as they were created, getting their very first showing in most cases to audiences. And oh my gosh, I, you probably feel the same way I do. You can't wait to see what's going to happen, you know, to hear the laughter, to, there's a moment in a certain type of a play where if you're acting, you can hear people's hearts beating, that they become so still. And if that happens, you're very fortunate to experience it and to hear that effect happening to the audience as well. well. This, with this play in particular, I wanted minimal set because I yeah. want your concentration to be on the characters. Yeah, my set is also like, I'm very uh, more of a dialogue-driven writer, so I have a very minimalistic set. Mine takes place at a bus stop, the whole thing. So you need a bench, and that's about that. We found him a bench. Yeah. <laughs> I was delighted to see the cast that came out. Oh, my gosh, I was just thrilled. You want the very best cast you can get, of course, but you realize this is not a glamorous production. This is not a big musical. This is not a, a fully realized work. This is a work being brought to life for the first time with minimal technical, etc. But the outstanding actresses and actors came out. Ron Cross, who just passed away, was a, an actor in New York. He was in 1776, and he would come to shows very often at Little Theater. And always at the end of the show, I'd greet him, and he would say, David, there is so much talent in this valley. And he was so right. And now we get a chance to showcase some of the writing talent, but the, the casts are marvelous. Uh, my wife, of course, is the best actress <laughs> I know. I know that. She and Carol Sweeney appeared in Christmas Carol twice as the old women who come and sell all Scridge's belongings. Oh, my gosh, the fun they had with it. And I said, someday I want to write something for those two. And here it is, two female leads. And when a, when a writer creates a piece for really good women to perform, those women will reward that writer. There's not enough out there for women. There really isn't. Uh, the writers tend to be men more often. The scripts tend to be about men. A lot of the big songs in musical theater are men's. But I was so glad I did this because, oh my gosh, are they bringing it home. They're wonderful together. Well, tell us the particulars then. Unlike most things we do, this is happening one weekend only. We like to give audiences as much time as we possibly can to find a spot to see a show. But this is coming in between a lot of other things. Uh, so this is August 11th, 12th, and 13th, uh, Friday and Saturday at 8, and on a Sunday matinee at 3, uh, which is very popular. And you don't even need a reservation. No need to reserve online. In fact, you can't do it. It's general admission at the door, cash, check, or card, and come on in and find a seat, and uh, everybody will be enjoying it with you. David Parmalee, playwright and general manager of the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, with playwrights Monty Price Ford and William Jeffrey, speaking about a weekend of original one-act plays at the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, August 11th, 12th, and 13th. The playwrights include Monty Price Ford, K.K. Gordon, William Jeffrey, David Parmalee, and Art Walsh. Shows Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m., Sunday afternoon at 3. That's this weekend, August 11th, 12th, and 13th. The Little Theater of Wilkesbury is located at 537 North Main Street. And for more information, on the web, ltwb.org. ltwb.org. That's five one-act plays, a weekend of one-acts at the Little Theater of Wilkesbury. August 11th, 12th, and 13th, Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m., 
Sunday afternoon at 3. For more information, on the web, ltwb.org.